Whiskey Bulldogs acknowledges that we reside on the lands of the people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. If you'd like to learn more, go to reconciliation.org.au. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Whiskey Bulldogs. I uh, thought I would just go back to a little reflection that I wrote um, in the Facebook group for the Whiskey Bulldogs. Given that uh, we have the Hall of Fame announced uh, just recently, um, as well as a recent milestone for Captain Marcus Bontepelli, who celebrated his 200th game in round seven against the Hawks. So uh, what I did was uh, have a look at the stats and cheekily try to support the hypothesis that the Bulldogs now are one of the most dangerous looking teams. In the great year of 2016, after winning the grand final against the Swans, the Bont at age 21 made a statement that he could be one of the greats, if not the greatest. Back then, he was the eighth best player statistically uh, by aggregate, which uh, when looking at the official AFL player rankings in that year, he was the eighth best and he'd won the dog's best and fairest. Just for reference, Patrick Dangerfield of the Cats was aged 26 and was number one in the league and had also won the best and fairest for the Cats. After the Cats succumbed to the Swans by 37 points in the preliminary final, Swans then participated in the grand final to be defeated by the Dogs by 22. The Dogs had then broke the longest active premiership drought in 62 years. Following our participation in 2021 in the grand final, Luke Breveridge's season 2022 opening speech, although was hilarious and bizarre in typical fashion, uh, was a manifesto to the league that the Bulldogs, or our bottom boys, as Will Anderson affectionately calls them, are now contending to be one of the top clubs. And Bevo and Will are 100% statistically right. Of course, I know how to fiddle with the stats. I'll do so instead of making weird comparisons between the Bulldogs and political revolutions like uh, Bevo has been known to do. Overall, looking all the way back, the Bulldogs have been one of the least successful teams since it was admitted to the VFL-AFL and was nearly disbanded or merged, um, and thankfully not during the fight-back years. Today, clearly, member numbers and riches have almost nothing to do with the success of any team in the AFL, given the egalitarian salary cap rules and whatnot that homogenizes the game, giving each club a good chance at the ultimate prize, which I think is one of the key aspects of what makes the AFL uh, a great spectator sport and one of, probably one of the best spectator sports in the world. And that's obviously a biased view. But I was musing over a Starwood Fortis um, a couple of weeks ago when making this reflection. And it's, it's not a new idea that 
the Bulldogs at the moment are doing well and that Marcus Bontempelli specifically is doing well and that he is a, uh, a Bulldogs legend, but also that he could be an AFL legend. Other podcasts and other commentators, such as Salty Bulldog, Will Anderson, many others have all suggested the same thing. But it's interesting to look at how statistically all of this actually is playing out. Clearly, I'm predetermining my point by focusing on 2016 to 2022 from the year that the Bulldogs won the Premiership, which had been the first time they had played in a grand final since 1961, then as Footscray Football Club, who had won the grand final last in 1954. Today, the game and the industry machine that is the AFL is quite different. I mean, Americans are now watching our great game, and you can see the passion from um, commentators from podcasts like A Yank on the Footy and Americans WTF or Watching the Footy. And now the Bulldogs' financial position is strong, and membership in 2022 was 50,000, which was 14th on the membership ladder. And despite this, the club has made finals five out of seven seasons, 2016 to 2022, and participated in the grand final twice, winning in 2016 and being runner-up in 2021. The only other teams who have participated in the grand final at least twice and won at least once over these years are modern-era heavyweights Tigers with 100,000 members, which is second uh, on the membership ladder, and the Cats with 71,000 members, seventh on the ladder. Just to the east of the centre of the earth, the MCG, the Tigers have participated in three grand finals and won them all in 2017, 2019 and 2020 and participated in five out of the seven final series, just like the Bulldogs, to the far wild west past Docklands Stadium. Even further to the west, the Cats have dominated the seasons to participate in all finals series in 2016 to 2022, yet have the same grand final record as the Bulldogs with one premiership and one runners-up. So the premiership being last year in 2022 and runners-up in 2020. Even further west to the end of the earth, the West Coast Eagles, with its township of 102,000 strong, which is first on the membership ladder, have participated in one grand final and one in 2018, participated in three out of seven final series. The next best performing teams by grand final and final series participation were Sydney, five out of seven finals series, runners-up 2016 and 2022, and Collingwood, four out of seven final series, runners-up in 2018. Three premierships makes Richmond a better performing club than the Cats 2016 to 2022, but the Cats making finals each year and participating in two grand finals arguably makes them the more consistent. However, without a shadow of a doubt, the Bulldogs must now have a place among these two great teams. So, with my brute force analysis, I support the hypothesis that among the great 18 clubs, the Bulldogs, when taken each facet together, are the most successful, smallest, non-merged or dismantled, despite the very real threat of these, 
AFL club in 2016-2022. With their success over these years, it's clear that the Dogs have performed among the top teams with their chances at the Colleague Grail, and that Bont now having passed 200 games has been the cornerstone to this success. This has ascended the Bont from a great player to a Bulldogs legend. But how will the Bulldogs succeed to make him an AFL legend? All will be revealed in the next section. Bob Murphy, the ex-captain of the Bulldogs, has now, with his AFL uh, player retirement, is now being elevated to the Hall of Fame in a ceremony which is coming up. This announcement was fairly close to the 200th game of the Bond, who is the current captain of the Western Bulldogs men's team. Overall, and since 2016, the Bond among his team of underdogs has increased in the rankings. Now, if you look at the teammates in his company, uh, looking at the official AFL player rankings so far this year, together the Bond, English and Libba are within the top five best individual players, even though Libba has been off-field one and a bit games. You can see that when these guys play as one, when they are playing well, the team is having a good game. But the flaw in the game has been the connection between this group and the forwards, with the strategy so far clearly being wrong, and Bevo admitting to this. This is a bold admission, and it acknowledges the fact that there are kind of missing links to best capitalise on the players when in their best positions. The reflection from uh, the round seven game with the Hawks was to focus on Caleb Daniel as very much being well-placed to be on the perimeter of the midfield, to be in a more forward, aggressive position. And this really paid off in that game. He pushed forward so well and didn't fumble possession or lose opportunity to score. And the reflection from round nine was that the within the forward line, although we were getting inside 50, the forward pack uh, was all together. So we had Norton, Eugle Hagen, and Debutant O'Donnell, and oftentimes Lobb all together in the same space, trying to fight for the ball. And we saw either a spoil from a defender on the blue side, or it was just spoiled because of friendly fire. When I've looked at the two games, I see that Caleb playing forward into a packed forward line doesn't necessarily work. So what needs to happen is we need to split the forward line so that we have two to three packs, as I have suggested in the previous episode. When taken together, if we can make the connection between clearance, midfield, going forward, having options in the forward line, that is two or three, we're splitting the defence and giving ourselves more options one-on-one or one-on-zero. And I think this is how we were so effective at getting the wins to get to the, the grand final in 2021 when we had Norton and Bruce splitting the defence in two and then allowing another more random play where a small or another tall would break away from any of those two packs to then take an uncontested mark within the inside 
50 zone. So again, if we're allowing a strong midfield to connect with the forward line in an effective way, we'll be more dangerous. And this year we're showing some signs so far that we could do this if done together as a combination strategy. I hope on Saturday tomorrow, uh, at the time of recording, that in round 10 against the Crows, we're able to make these links at least a few more times where a good clearance from our elite midfield, being from the ruck with English to Libba to the Bont to Caleb Daniel to Bailey Smith, who can be on the run, to then connect with one of the packs in a split forward line. I think Bruce, when he came away um, injured, in 2021 that this made a huge difference to our chances at the grand final that year because we couldn't make that excellent split between um, an option where we would have a great high-flying mark versus a really accurate goal kicker. As Lobb is finding some excellent accuracy and Norton is, is as good as ever flying high in the mark, we could again have a split board line split into two at least, and Waitman can come in again as a as a forward with head over ball picking up scraps, or again as a high flying mark against a defender more in a one on one situation. Hopefully, we can come away Saturday with five wins in a row, which would make the season seven wins to three. We would put ourselves in, a con- in contention for being in a top four spot, which hasn't happened by end of season in these last years since winning the last premiership. So because the Bont is on rankings so far this year, number one, and doesn't look like he would uh, lose that spot anytime soon, perhaps he's peaking this season, or perhaps he'll do even better causing chaos not only in the midfield, but kicking a few snags along the way. As has been said many times before me, that this is the Bond's last years for a flag as captain. If this was to occur, then clearly the Bond would not only be a Bulldogs legend or a Bulldogs Hall of Famer in future, but then gain AFL legend status or even perhaps later on Hall of Fame status. So that was uh, my reflection on where the dogs are so far and where they've been in the last few years and how they've been doing the season and where the Bont is going this season and in the near future as well. So I hope you enjoyed that and let me know your thoughts. Um, You can send me a question or send me a comment um, via the various social media platforms or via the Spotify uh, message service. So uh, if you'd like to be on the pod, then you can say so in your message and um, maybe you'll even be on next week's show. So uh, all the best, uh, Slanja, cheers, and we hope the, the best for the dogs on Saturday and the rest of the season. Thanks for listening to the bonus episode today.